The advice given on sex and other human activities is for entertainment purposes only. If you've got a question for us, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. Who wants ever less filling? <laughs> I always want more I want more filling. filling. I yeah. want more cream. I want more stuffing. I want more cheese. Whatever it is, <laughs> I want more of it. Welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus Parks. I am Jackie Zabrowski. And you know, I, like I said, on uh, on the last episode, the last couple episodes have been writing a shit ton. And in fact... Here's one cool thing is that I just finished the black notebook that I've been writing in for like the last year, uh, which is kind of coincidental because I'm kind of, I'm in a Ending new a chapter. I'm in a new period of my life right now. I ended a chapter and that, that whole book was just filled with a lot of frustration and anger and sadness. Good times as well. Definitely. Don't get me wrong. Definitely good times as well, but a lot of frustration, sadness, and anger. And it was black, you know, which kind of, it gave you that kind of black feeling. But the new ones that I got, they're uh, much smaller, the little moleskin ones, uh, and they're red. Aww. <laughs> they're red. And, you know, it reflects a lot of this shit that I'm feeling right now. Passion, love, wonderful things. Just like a lot of feeling a lot of really great things. But I was writing the other day. Well, you know how I get paranoid about stuff and I get, um, I, I worry so much. I worry a lot. And I'm trying to figure out what I worry so much about and what the root of that worry is. And I think, and I've also all this worst case scenario um, thinking that I have, that I've had over the years. And I think a lot of it isn't necessarily what will happen to me, but what I will do. It's intent. It's capability. And that's what bothers me most is that I'll think about the worst case scenario and I'll think about what I'm capable of and I'll treat it as if I have done it because everyone is capable of really bad shit. And, of course. And I know myself, you know, like I, I'm, I know myself very well and I know what I'm capable of. And I think knowing what you're capable of is part of knowing yourself. But I just started thinking about these things, like all this shit that I am eventually capable, capable of hurting people, uh, capable of hurting people in terrible ways, capable of fucking things up here, capable of going off my medication, capable of fucking up my entire life through these tiny, small little choices, the rock, or it's the little rock that uh, puts the avalanche down. Uh, And I finally realized, like, just because I'm capable of something doesn't mean that I'm going to do it. Right. You know, it's not something that is going to actually, I have to actually do it. I have to actually go through the motions. I have to make these things happen in order to be capable of this, or I have to just render myself inert in order to, you know, be capable of fucking things up here. If I just stop doing the work here at Cave Comedy Radio and doing the work that I should, then it all falls apart and I am capable of that. I know that I'm capable of that, but just because I'm capable of it doesn't mean that I'm going to do it. And I'd imagine someone like you that has a lot of anger problems, I'd imagine you struggle with that quite a bit as well. I do, but honestly, I feel like in terms of capability, when I'm thinking of of what I'm capable of, I think of it at a very different aspect, but just as self like just as disappointing in myself Mm -hmm. that it's more so of like the things that I'm capable of that I don't do it's like the whole other aspect of it rather than of what I could do Mm -hmm. it's what I'm not doing ah yeah and it's just like I feel like that's also part of the brain that you know I I am always constantly working on something and I'm always doing all these it's like but what if what I'm working on isn't the right thing what if I, I am capable of 
set get that that yeah. but i'm not working towards it even though i am capable of doing that yeah but the thing is i think it's all in trusting yourself and trusting your decisions and when you're thinking of the things that like you're capable of you know even talking about when i i was discussing with marcus earlier that i had restraint against someone that was making fun of me on the internet rather than <laughs> when i got really really mad about it when i was in my head was like i can eviscerate them. You want you want to make fun of me? You have something to fucking say to me? I've got a whole laundry list of things that I could say that will make you fucking hate the rest of your day. That will ruin the rest of your week because that's what I used to do to people. Because yeah. that's the things that I know that I am capable of really to the core hurting someone. Yeah. Verbally. Yeah. And physically. But... I mean, verbally was usually the, the way that I went about it. But instead, I stopped and was like, but I don't have to do that. And I think it's knowing that I knew that I would stop myself. And then I thought about all the things. And then I sat down and I write, I wrote the things that I would say, <laughs> but not uh, like in my journal. In, yeah. like I wrote everything out of what I really wanted to fucking say. But I didn't do it. No. Because I trust myself. Because I know that I have to talk to myself before that when a surge of the things of you're capable of when it comes to that kind of like a negative aspect of hurting someone or something like that you talk to yourself or at least I do and I'm like yeah but I wouldn't do that like yeah. me in the core would not do that and it's scary because you know a, there's a good amount of people that don't have that trust in themselves or don't have the stopper in the way that their brain is wired to stop themselves from doing that. We are very fortunate that we do. Yeah. And so it's easy to think about the worst case scenario, especially when you're inside your own head. But then you remember at the end of the day that you trust you. And it's all about trusting yourself. Yeah. And, and I, your decisions and... And I have a hard time trusting myself. Right. Uh, an extremely hard time. I'm getting better with it. You know, I've got people helping me with that and calling me an idiot when I should be called an idiot. <laughs> uh, and, you know, just when I'm talking, to, oh, sorry. Uh, just when I'm talking to certain people about things, you know, it's like when I, you know, start talking about my problems and all that type of shit, you know, like they just like, that's dumb. It's like, that's stupid. Why would you ever think that? But in the nicest way, like in the of nicest course. way possible. Uh, but it is, it has made me trust in myself a little bit more, you know, and trust myself in my decisions and trust myself in just what I'm doing in life in general. Because uh, I'm very bad about second guessing myself. But I guess the capability thing, uh, it's just asking myself, like, can I fuck up all because life is going fucking great for me right now yeah like, it's but that's why you're thinking of, of the worst case scenario exactly exactly like it's it's going great you know and i was talking the other day about you know how like i've my life right now it's like it's going great and it's just very like it's a very surreal feeling for me for things to be going great uh, and i was like i don't know what the fuck this is and and you know and so i was like oh, that's happiness yeah, that that's what happiness is. Is that it's like that's what you're feeling right now. It's not surreal. It's not, you know, it shouldn't be surreal. Happiness shouldn't be a surreal experience for people. But I think people who struggle with the type of shit that we struggle with, uh, happiness can be unfamiliar and scary. Happiness is fucking terrifying. It's scary. Yeah, like, because you're waiting. Oh you're yeah, waiting for it to end. Oh yeah, waiting for it to be taken away from you in any way possible, and not just waiting for it to be taken away from you, but waiting. For 
for your waiting for you to take it away from yourself. Right. Waiting for the moment that you've always had in the past uh, in which you find something, some fucking shitty ass reason why you don't deserve this or why, you know, this. Well, it's, you know, it's all going to fuck up anyway. So why should I put myself into this completely? Why? Why should I give myself over to what I'm feeling right now? If I keep it at bay, then if it doesn't all work out, then fine. That's that, That's OK. I'm used to that. I'm used to shit just not working out. Uh, but it also keeps me from like feeling that fucking happiness like it's like it's almost like ha- and but what i've noticed is that like the i think maybe the reason why it's surreal is because the happiness is lasting longer and longer before the bad shit starts coming back in again you know like the it used to be like i could feel happiness for five seconds tops tops before something would come fucking crashing in to fuck it up again you know some bad shit something that i had to worry about or some awful thought something but now it's like hours. It's great. Like hours. Also, happen. with that and with happiness, I feel like I struggle sometimes with the fact that I don't feel like I deserve happiness. No. You know, it's like it's the guilt inside of my brain that comes out where it's like, you don't deserve to feel like this. You know, other people do, but you don't. And that's that's definitely a voice that's constantly inside of my head when I'm feeling something. And then, like you were saying, like when you self destruct and you're like, no, I'm not, because everyone else yeah. made me unhappy. It wasn't that <laughs> I made myself self unhappy everyone everyone else did it but it's acknowledging the fact that that you do it to yourself yeah not everyone does but you know we happen to and i think a lot of people do you're scared to be happy because you're scared of what it comes with i mean it's the same as like people that are too scared to fall in love or to feel things because they're just because they're scared of it yeah. because it's easier to live in the dark it's easier to have walls up around your heart but then you don't have times like this i know and but and you have to acknowledge it when you're happy acknowledge it and yeah. say hey i'm happy right now yeah and that's great so that old vonnegut quote is that the world will be a lot better place if you know when there was a good moment happening uh if people just said out loud you know if this isn't nice i don't know what is It's true. And that's something I've thought about over the years, you know, and I've tried to, you know, I've tried to fucking put that shit into my brain as hard as I possibly can. But it's uh, it's very difficult to have that. It's very it's very difficult to acknowledge happiness if you struggled with not being happy for such a long time. Uh, But once you do accept it, then I tell you, it's pretty fucking sweet. But now, Marcus, I challenge you that every time you write something that you are capable of that's negative, you should write something that's positive that you're capable of. Yeah. As well. Yeah. That's something that is in your in your wheelhouse of something that you are capable of. That's something that, that is definitely that you want to happen. Yeah. You know, and just try and make it more of a positive thing because it's great. I mean, writing, you can write whatever. I know you can write. That's It's helpful to get all the negative shit out. But I think it's also helpful to force yourself to write some positive things as well. Yeah, man. No, and, and even the positive things on the, the flip side of the coin. Like, if I'm capable of doing this in this situation, I'm also capable of doing exactly. this. Exactly. Like, this this decision that I have right here, this situation that I have right here, I'm capable of fucking it up in, you know, ways A, B, and C. But I'm also capable of making it fucking fantastic. 
right. in ways A, B, and C. Uh, and a lot of the things, you know, that I've been paranoid about, things like worried about like things coming to fruition, like the worst case scenario type things, in a lot of ways, it's been the exact opposite. Like things that I've been worrying about happening, like once they do actually, ha- or I guess outcomes of things happening, you know, like I've been worried about the outcomes and then once it actually happens, the outcome is completely different from what I expected. Yeah. You know, it's it, completely different and just <sighs> good. You, you know, and talking of journals is actually, it makes me think of this as well, is that for, you know, I've talked about it on here before that, like, my sense of journals has always been weird because my mother had always read mine. And when I found out, it kind of shook me. And she said, don't write anything down if you don't want anyone to read it. Go. So I've always hidden my journals. Like, even in living with Doug, I hid them every night. I have a place for them. And I know that he doesn't read them. But on my birthday, he bought me a journal. And he bought, it was like a hard-covered, bright green moleskin. And he was just like, I'm giving this to you because I know that, you know, you like to have a journal. And he's like, but also, I want you to feel comfortable having it out. That's beautiful. He's like, I want it to be something that you like to look at because it's like my favorite color. And he's just like, I want you to be able to feel like you're able to keep it out because you know I'm not going to read it. And he's like, I want to give this to you as like a gift of like our, like your privacy and an understanding between us that, that I'm a part of this. And I chose it for you and that you should have the freedom to keep it out. And I was like, so touched. <laughs> I just so completely. And, and I've left it out. That's great. That and, is beautiful. and it's weird, though, because it's like I didn't think that he would acknowledge the fact that I hid the journal or or anything because he, you know, didn't ever say anything about it, which is fine. I was fine with that. I mean, if you live with someone for a while, you notice things like that. Yeah, of course. And like, we knew where I kept it and it didn't matter. I just didn't want it in sight. It was like Mm. private thoughts. Yeah. And now I have one that I like to look at and I keep it on my bed stand. Well, hell, that might be also help you to bring those fucking thoughts out into the real world. Yes. That it's no longer these like private things that only exist within your head. They, now these things exist in the real world. And also that I don't have to be ashamed of the fact that I have to write things out, you know, and the feelings that you put inside of a journal. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I mean, hell, I'm not, I carry mine with me, like just these little tiny notebooks. Like I just, I just write in notebooks uh, and I carry them around with me everywhere that I go in my bag. Uh, So when I need to write something down, because that's what I've, that's what I've realized. Like I need to write shit down uh, and think things through because I cannot think think things through in my head. There's so many roadblocks in there, but if I write it down, fucking smashes through those goddamn roadblocks uh, and I'm able to drive down the fucking highway to happiness or at least the highway to fucking figuring shit out. Yeah, and getting the shit out of your head. Just getting the garbage out of there. So I'm the asshole in public that's, you know, sitting there, like, writing the fucking journal, just like, oh, God, you know. See, I'm I'm still too scared to do that. Yeah. It's just like, someone's gonna read it. Yeah. Someone's gonna sit next to me, and they're gonna read it, and they're gonna know what I'm thinking about. Yeah. It's so shameful to me still. (laughs) I can't get past it. You'll get past it, because I used to be the same way, but now I can write uh, sitting next to someone on the train or the bus. Uh, but I mean, I do still kind of like hide it a little bit, but yeah. it's not like I'm worried about them like seeing three words and, you know, forming some sort of opinion about me because it also comes with just not really, you know, this person is a stranger. 
I will never see this person again in my entire life. This is New York fucking city. Yes, it's a small town. Uh, and if you, even if you do see that person again, you will not acknowledge each other. Right. Like you, <laughs> like they will not be, they will not remember that they saw you and you will not remember that they saw them. It's a small town. You do run into people with fair regularity. Uh, but that person is, it's not like, it's what, uh, I mean, just to bring it all back to, like, role-playing games, you know, like RPGs, you know, that I like to, you know, make fucking comparisons to, like, as far as my life, things like that, is that that person is an NPC, non-playable character. You know, like, not, yeah, it's it, an NPC is You're someone... You're losing me, Marcus. I'll explain it. I'll explain it. <laughs> All right, it, I, <laughs> oh, my, people yeah, who yeah. play RPGs, NPC-G, they, know, they, yeah, know yeah. What I'm, they know what I'm talking about. But, like, and an NCP is someone in the game that has no bearing on the game whatsoever. Like, say you're playing Zelda, and you go into a, um, a village... And there's like a little fat guy that's complaining about how his sons don't work hard enough. And you just go and you talk to him and it's just there to kind of fill out the story. He has no bearing on what you do. You have no bearing on what he does. It's just a person in the game to fill out the world. So that person that's next to you on the bus... They have, you know, there's no, they have no bearing on what you do. You have no bearing on what they do. Of course, you know, that person can fucking come into your world if they want to. But for the most part, the vast majority of people, 99% of the strangers that you interact with during the day will remain just that. Strangers. Now, I'd say 99% of the strangers you run into in a month. You're not going to have any real meaningful interaction with them. They're just NPCs. They're just there to fill out the world. They're a part of the world, and you know, then you must. And they are definitely real people. You know, we're not fucking in Ocarina of Time here. Or anything yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not fucking. We're not fucking. I'm uh, not here in Skyrim. Oh yeah, it's not an Elder Scroll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're yeah. actually real people, but that. That helps me to uh, that that kind of helps me to separate myself from strangers, especially here in New York City, which is uh, it's, it can be very tough because you're in so close with these people. But you know, it's just another NPC, man. It's fine. I'm sure that doesn't have any consequence when you're in a small town where everybody knows everybody. See, now that's that's a, a different yeah, story that, altogether. It's a different story, but still, some of those people you know them, but you're just gonna buy eggs from them. Yeah. Not gonna have to get into the fucking business with them. Sometimes like you gotta catch all their chickens. <laughs> I think I watched something in Zelda one time where they had, it's like, my chickens got out of the coop, and then you gotta go get all the chickens and then you leave. <laughs> Strangely enough, I am on that exact part Weird, right now. Very I was just interesting. in the village of Kakariko. Uh, I was like, ba- cock for the chicken? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of chickens in that village. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot of chickens in that village. Yeah, yeah, but I just got my little mystery pocket egg. There's a blue cuckoo in it. I gotta figure out what to do. With it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we okay. We have veered a little bit off into the different direction, but hey, I, I think video games, you know, they do have, uh, you know, that kind of like thinking about those types of things. Like it's, I think just in you know my or our generation, especially people who play a lot of video games, you know, it's no different from having like movies kind of seep into your reality or books or anything like that. Everything, every kind of entertainment that you consume uh, seeps into your brain in one way or another and therefore seeps into your reality. So the things that we do and the things that we consume shape 
the reality that we perceive uh, every single day. So I think it's fine to take you know certain lessons, even if it's just a, a mechanics type thing, uh, that you know you still have that connection to reality. It's not a complete disconnect or anything like that. You know, those people who have, you know, people I think who took that literally would be the kind of people who believe that they are the only real human on earth and that everyone else is a robot. You know, like that's taking that train of thought. Uh, that's where that will lead you. But if you just kind of take that little thing that you like, that little thing that helps you out every day, if you just take that and you apply it to your actual life, and I think that helps out a lot. And I think it makes life a little bit easier and it makes life definitely more manageable. Yes. I don't see any re- I don't see any fucking difference between the way I uh, relating role playing games to life as much as like fucking, you know, an extremely religious person like a, a Christian. Uh, if they see, you know, somebody do something bad, they're like, oh, the devil made him do it. It's all fiction. It's all fu- <laughs> <laughs> like it's all we're all using fiction to try to make sense of our day to day lives. It's no fucking different. Uh, it's just mine's a you know a little nerdier and and also uh, a little more fun. A lot more fun. Although I don't know, the devil made me do. It's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. It, it is pretty. <laughs> it is pretty fun. You know, of course, that kind of plays into it too. The whole thing brains yeah. a whole amalgam of, uh, <laughs> of a whole bunch of different fucking things. But but hey, uh, yeah, let's let's fucking get to our letters today. Hell yeah! All right, let's start with our first letter today. What we gonna call this person? Mm, putty tat. <laughs> I like it. All right, dear Marcus and Jackie, I hope. You're both doing well. What I'm writing to you about, and hopefully this this doesn't get too long, apologies if it does, is that lately I've been obsessively thinking that I might have a repressed memory of being abused when I was young. I have almost no memories from my childhood before sixth grade, and the ones that I do have from before then are only of times when I was away from home, such as school, a friend's house, a grandparent's house. Starting around sixth grade, I stopped talking in school. I talked to no one, and when I was called on in class, I either ignored my teachers or just shrugged at them. I did this even throughout high school, as I probably said about 20 words in all four years. Because of this, I've had multiple teachers and counselors ask me if I've been abused before. Of course, I said no, because as far as I'm aware, I haven't been. But after being told so many times that my behavior was similar to that of someone who had been abused and realizing that my memory is almost non-existent, I started worrying. I started asking family members about my past, and I've learned that it wasn't ideal. My dad died when I was a baby, and my mom moved us from place to place constantly, and she has a history of abusive relationships. In addition to that, my little brother's dad apparently is a registered sex offender for sodomizing a six-year-old girl years before I was even born. Oddly enough, the time that he was in our lives is when some of my only memories of home are from. Nothing bad, just random memories. I also had a friend throughout my childhood who was very controlling and manipulative. We always had to do whatever it was that he wanted to do, and he would be cruel sometimes. I slept over at his house a lot, and I remember him making me watch porn with him on multiple occasions. We were probably in second or third grade when that started. I wouldn't be surprised if he had made me do more with him. He wasn't a great person. But like I've said, I have no memory of it. I've started therapy recently for major problems with depression, anxiety, and self-harm. And while I enjoy going and having someone to talk to, I find it hard to make progress because she keeps asking me to think of events in my past that could have led to my negative thoughts, and I can't. I can't think of anything exceedingly bad that's happened to me. 
I guess what I'm asking is if I'm overthinking things, which I have a tendency to do, and if I'm being ridiculous for thinking there's some repressed memory lingering in the back of my mind that I can't bring forward, and if it's a valid worry, how do I bring it up to my therapist? Is there anything she could do if I tell her, thanks in advance, booty tat? So in reading this letter, I actually, I, I, I understand completely where you're coming from. It's very weird when I, when I was going through like the first round of anger management, I, you know, in trying, you know, it's like, yeah, of course I was made fun of and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, where does this all stem from? And trying to figure that out because in Henry and I have actually had many conversations that we don't remember our childhood. Yeah. We really don't have a lot of memories. There's no, you know, we don't have a lot of pictures. We don't have a lot of stuff got lost in the move. It's like all those things. It's like we have almost no memory until we moved to Florida. And I remember dealing with that when going through anger management, thinking that, like, did something happen to me? Is like, did something happen to me that, that made me this way? And... That was always inside my head. No one was ever putting that inside of my head, which I feel like if other people were telling me that, I would be like, something happened to me. Yeah. Of course, because it's all, it's in that way, it's a very psychological thing where you're like, well, there's no other explanation for it. It has to be that. Because it's easy to, like, it's like, well, if you don't remember anything, then it could be that. And it's easy to pinpoint that and blame that. Yeah. But like, that's the reason. As opposed to me, which there was no reason it's just the way that i was wired and it, the same with you know having a child that doesn't paying attention pay attention in school and they're like oh they've got adhd give a medication that will change it we did a session of hypnosis when i was going through anger management because that's a way to bring up re- uh, repressed memories mm-hmm. and Nothing came from that, but that's an an option that my therapist had at the time to try to see if anything came from something deep inside of my memory. And she had a um, she had a s- specialty. She had a, the specialty in hypnosis, and nothing came from that. So eventually, of course, I dropped it and I just continued on with my therapy. But I still like reading this. Remember that so vividly because it was like it has to be that if I can't remember things. And I think that like. You know, I didn't grow up in the most ideal childhood either, and not. And I know that you have all of the, like, you know, you had the friend and everything, and I feel like things can get elevated inside of your head to make it easier to, like, oh, well, then that must have been it. And not saying that it didn't happen to you. No. Not saying that, you know, it's very, I mean, it, it is possible, especially in, like, in the, like, with different boyfriends your mother had and things like different people in your lives and not having the stability. But also, it could be that you're just wired that way and that something just kind of switched in your brain. And because that happens in, when you're in puberty. You know, it happens when you're in your 20s. It happens when you're in your 30s. It happens, you know, your your brain is changing. And all of our brains are wired differently. And it's easy, not that that's an th- easy thing to swallow, but I feel like if people are constantly like, you were probably sexually abused, it's hard not to think that you were. Especially when you're dealing with repressed memories. Repressed memories is extremely tricky because it also has to do a lot. It can, suggestion can play a big part in repressed memories. I I studied repressed memories. And once again, as we always say, 
I, I am not a doctor. We right. are not doctors. No, no, no. I did not, when I say I studied this, I did not study this in school. I didn't, you know, like this is just my own personal research for a last podcast on the left, actually. Uh, we uh, did a, an episode on satanic ritual abuse or the fake satanic, the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s, uh, in which all of these kids who were said to have repressed memories of satanic abuse when they were younger, they started trying to bring these repressed memories out when they were a little older and none of the things that they actually said happened actually happened. I mean, it was weird things like the kids said that they got flushed flushed down the toilet by a witch and they took cross-country plane rides, you know, in a day. Like they went from, you know, Canton, Ohio to Los Angeles and, and stayed there and then came all the way back in a day. Like it was just ridiculous things. And not just in a day, but the time, but between the time that their parents dropped them off from daycare and the time their parents came to pick them up from daycare. Just impossible things. Uh, but these kids were told over and over again, like they were molded to say like, oh, this is a repressed memory. This is what's coming out because that's what people kept telling them over and over and over again. Uh, and it didn't really, it didn't do much to help anyone. In fact, it, it hurt a lot of people. So it's, I think the big thing that, you know, that, that I think Jackie says that like you, you want to pinpoint something. Like you want to say, this is it. This is the reason why. This is the reason why I'm. Sh- I was shy in school. Why I never said anything. This is the reason why uh, I cut myself. All that type of stuff. And it sounds like you had a pretty fucking hard childhood. It sounds like you had a pretty traumatic childhood. And Jackie, you had a pretty traumatic childhood as well. And I think a lot of times when you don't remember things, it's not necessarily because you got sexually abused or someone beat you or anything like that. Sometimes it's just memories are traumatic and you just don't want to. Your brain, for some reason, just didn't register that. It's not something that your brain wanted to find out. However, the problems still exist. The aftermath of all that still exists and you know it may not even necessarily be the aftermath of that may also be like jackie said you're just wired that way uh and if you have something to pinpoint then that's uh if you have something to blame for everything like that's that's easy like that is that is an easy thing to to pinpoint and you're like all right well i'll start with that and then we'll work from there but that's not how therapy works like you don't just say like, okay, this happened to me. Like sometimes it does. Like sometimes it does. If you have to go to therapy, like if it's say, like PTSD, PTSD, like, you know, exactly. Like PTSD. Like if you're going for PTSD, then yes, you can say absolutely. Let's start here and then work out from there. But if it's such a generalized feeling, such an over, like it just a pervasive type of thing, then that could be that you just have to put in the work and you work through that that shit. And there's things that I've come across in therapy from childhood and junior high and things like that. It's not so much about what um it's not so much about finding that moment, it's finding the context. You know, and finding the context for like what the types of things that shaped you, what was going on in your life. And I did eventually put things together in therapy that took me a long time, like putting certain events together, like this, like they were two separate memories, both things that I remember, two separate memories, two separate incidents, but thinking like, okay, this incident combined with this incident came together 
to form this problem, to form this neurosis or to form this obsession. Like these, uh, there are many different things that all come together. And if you did have, if you moved around a lot, uh, if you had, if your mom was in abusive relationships, you had this, you know, kid that, you know, you grew up with that was very controlling and manipulative, like all of those things together, like all of that shit, that makes up who you are. That makes up your psyche. It makes up, you know, the, the depression, things like that. You know, those things are you. So all those things have to be put in a context and all those things have to be worked through either separately or together. So I don't know if it matters. I guess, I mean, I feel like it does matter, but if it's something that, I mean, you said it yourself that, you know, not that I don't think that you're ridiculous. I don't think that no. any of your thoughts are ridiculous in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely not. But I just, it, just work from what you know. You know, work from what you do remember that it has to be it. It's, it's like, I feel like it's almost going after like the fountain of youth or something, yeah. Yeah. where it's like it's something that you think is out there and that you think is in your head. But it will come if it needs to come. Yeah. And as, as you're working through your issues, as you're talking about other things in your life, other, you know, of what you thought about when you were silent in class and like and the things of like, were you aware of the fact that you did those things and you didn't want to be like that? You know, it, it all plays into it. And I feel like just work from there rather than going after this like. Well, I might have been sexually molested. Yes, this elusive demon. Yeah, because it's because you will deal with it in time. You know, it's like you will find the like what it is that you're trying to work through and you may never know. Yeah. And it's a very good possibility you might never know. But that's kind of what my therapist had said after the hypnosis thing where I was like, but what if I still feel this way? She's like, well, you're more than welcome to feel that way. You can feel however you want. You can, you know, you can think that possibly this thing had happened. She's like, but if you harp on something that you aren't sure of in your past, it's not going to help you move forward. Mm -mm. And you need to deal with the present. Deal, of course, with the things in the past to, to deal with the things of the present. But if it's something that you are unsure of, you can't keep chasing after it because you're never going to be okay with yourself today. Mm -mm. And I think that you just need to deal with you in the present for now. And definitely talk to your therapist about all this. I mean, don't be like... You shouldn't have to worry about how you broach things with your therapist or what you talk to them about. And if you do feel that way, try out another therapist if you're able to. It's okay to talk to your therapist about therapy. Yes. In fact, they like it. They, they want you to talk to them about the, they want you to talk about the process that you're going through and how you're reacting to the process and what you're getting out of it. Uh, they, that helps them. You know, like that helps them, or at least with, with my therapist, she does like me to talk about like what am I, what I'm getting out of this and what I want to get out of this. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, so talk to them about like, you know, I'm, uh, this is what I'm worried about and, uh, and then go from there. You know, you can, you can talk to your therapist about anything you want to talk to them about. You are paying them for that. You know, of course you don't want to spend your entire time just going in and complaining about your life. You know, you don't want to go in there and waste your time, but you also, if you have concerns about what's going on in that little room, then you are more than welcome to bring it up to him. You can try that. Right, but, I, but I do want to say, though, congratulations for 
going to see a therapist and for dealing with this shit. Because it's also easy when it's something like that to be like, well, I'm going to be fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. And it's hard to take care of it. And I, I think that you like you moving forward and you working on yourself and and really thinking about these things. It, it's a good thing. Yeah. And it's only going to get better. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you you're you're taking the the fucking first step into a, a great world. So just keep walking forward. Hell yeah. Well, our next letter is a follow up from uh, somebody that we answered a, a question from about somewhere around May, something like that. So we got a bit of an update, and a, a bit, I believe we called her Wednesday, but she said, Jackie, feel free to give me a new name. Salsalita. <laughs> oh, salsa. So in other words, Doug's been listening to Desire a lot in the house. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, so we didn't, me and him didn't walk down the street the other day singing Salsalita? Oh, I didn't know that. That's what we do. That's what you do? You just sing that song? <laughs> <laughs> That's our thing. That's our thing. Salsalita. Desire is both our favorite Dylan album. It's my favorite Dylan album. It's too. a fantastic album, but no, we we do enjoy sometimes walking and just singing a song. He'll sing, I'll say real quiet because I can't sing. I'm the worst singer. Although you wouldn't think it with my silky smooth voice. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, but the silky smooth voice. <laughs> but the silky, but the silky smooth voice. Oh, my whole life is a lie. All right, let's get into it. Hey guys, I wrote a while back about my fiance uh, and how I was having a really hard time when he went out of town for work. He's an entertainer. I got a lot better with that. Unfortunately, now there are other problems. We've been together for almost five years, and this year has been a huge struggle. I think we've almost broken up twice this year. We've, we've said some pretty hurtful things to each other and had some really bad nights arguing and crying so hard. At this point, neither of us wants to break up, but we're having trouble getting over this hump. Some of his problems with me are that I can have an attitude with him and I can bicker a lot about stupid things and he doesn't feel like I appreciate all of his hard work that he does to pay all of the bills. He doesn't mention this one often, but I know he also resents me uh, for him not being able to travel anywhere, whenever, and not have a permanent home. Some of my problems with him is that I feel like he will always put his job over me, that he will never be happy until he's rich and famous. And this is a big one. He doesn't want to have sex. The sex has been a problem for about two years. He says when he's having sex with me, he can't stop thinking about all the other things he has to do. He's in his early 20s, and our sex life used to be fine until we moved in together. I think it's either low testosterone or ADHD. In our last argument, we came up with an agreement that if he would... Tr in our last argument, we came up with an agreement that if he would finally try to figure out why he doesn't want to have sex slash try to fix it, then I would move to another state with him so that we could get more work and fulfill his dreams. Although I dread the thought of moving away from my family home and new business partner, I'm willing to do it if it means our relationship works out. All that talk was maybe two months ago, but since then we're still butting heads and failing to communicate successfully. I know we're meant to be together. We're best friends and we have so much fun sometimes, but we're both so tired of, of the same arguing we do over and over again. Nothing seems to be easy anymore. Do you guys have any suggestions on us getting through this? Sometimes I feel like we just want different things too much and it won't work out, but I also can't imagine us not growing old together. Sorry if the level was a bit long. I just want to make sure there's enough to make sense. If I left anything out that makes it confusing, let me know. 
Thank you guys for everything you do. The show reminds me that everyone is going through shit and everyone will get through it, even me. Sausalita. Well, I'm really happy with, I'm really glad that you wrote back in again. Yeah. And thank you so much for giving us an update on the whole situation. And we like updates from everyone that yeah. we ask questions. Always. Um, because we can, we do, we care. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is, it is a hard situation. I, I, I guess in reading this, it's almost even hard for me because I understand this situation very much. I mean, I feel like uh, working in entertainment and as we're all getting older and, and getting more projects and getting more things, this is becoming starting to become more of a reality for not only me, but, but for everyone that we work with. Anyone that's been in a relationship for a long time, this that is a struggle and of deciding, like, who gets to choose? Like, who are, am I going to follow you then or are you going to follow me? Yeah. And it has to be based on compromise. And it sounds like you guys have tried to compromise and that he can go off sometimes and he does his stuff away, but that he doesn't want a permanent home. And that's a hard thing for someone that wants a permanent home to compromise about. What does he want you to do? Like if you like if he doesn't he doesn't want a permanent home, does but does he expect you to not have a permanent home? And for you to follow him from hotel room to hotel room, like, is that what he wants? Yeah. Or does he not want to be tied down anymore? Which is, unfortunately, it's like, you know, your best friends when you're together and it's great. But then, like, you bicker because you guys aren't around each other a lot. And then that he can't even focus when you guys have sex anymore and don't want it anymore. It's hard because we are working in such an egotistical art form. Mm. I mean, a lot of art is egotistical, but like entertainment specifically is about the entertainer. And if they're not willing to compromise to share that life with you, then that might be something that you're not going to be able to work through. That's one of the things that you have to think about here. Some things, some people just can't work through. You Is try it, yeah. and try, and like my last relationship, we tried for a very long time to work things through. I'd say about a year. You know, we tried though a lot of things. And you still we, had good times. And we still had good times. Of course we still had good times. We had great times. Uh, but there were just some things that we were never going to get through. Some things that we just couldn't, like every single time we talked about it, there was the brick wall would go down. Either, no compromise. Either I would throw it down or she would throw it down. Uh, and they would be, there would just, there was no room for compromise. Like sometimes lives don't go in the same direction. And I had a relationship, God, five, six years ago, something like that. Uh, when I first started like really getting into comedy when or com comedic radio, you know, podcasts and shit like that. Uh, and I was with someone and we, ha we had a great time together. Sure, we had other problems, but our lives were just going in two completely different directions. We acknowledge that, you know, that they were going in completely different directions. And neither one of us really wanted to follow the other one where we wanted to go. Like neither one of us wanted to make that kind of sacrifice and maybe that speaks to the strength of relationship I don't know uh, but it also tells you something like sometimes lives do 
split apart and there's not much that you can do about that if someone has to make a choice sometimes people thank you have you ever seen scrooged oh yeah yeah scrooged is a wonderful movie like scrooged is fantastic but in the movie bill murray takes his career over love like he decides that his career is the most important thing in his life so he ends up going for the career and of course by the end it's a sappy christmas movie yes. so and it's not real life at all but you know in the movie you know he goes more for career and then at the end he realizes that maybe he shouldn't have gone for that like that maybe he should have gone for love uh and now i'm not saying that you're going to have to ask the guy to make a choice right. between you because that's also and not career. fair because that's because, also not because fair. you don't want to change who he is no you know and you don't want to squash your significant other's dreams they will forever resent you for it but also will you forever resent him if you give up what you have now to follow him from hotel to hotel i mean you said you have a, a new business partner so you're i mean you're starting a new business like you, you were start you were building a life for yourself where you are right now uh and the fact that and the other big thing is you know the sex like i don't you know i don't know where that's coming from if, if sex has been a problem for about two years and he can't stop thinking about all the other things he has to do maybe you're right maybe it is an adhd thing but i think what you should talk to him about is just ask him like straight up like when did that start at what point in our relationship did you did your brain and your body just start completely disconnecting you know when while we were having sex when did that start and why did that start those are important things to explore because you can you know possibly say like okay maybe if he doesn't know when or why or anything like that then maybe that is something to look into look the low testosterone the adhd or something like that but if he can put it put a specific time uh, or at least a general time to when that started then that might give you guys like a stepping stone to figuring that shit out and figuring out how he can be more present in the moment uh or you know just figure out at least naming the problem, at least giving it some sort. And instead of having it be this big ethereal cloud that's over you guys, you know, making it solid, something that you can work on. Because right now it just seems like it's a, yeah, just a cloud above you that ain't moving. That or unfortunately on the other end of that, trying to figure out like, is he just thinking about work or what is he thinking about? Is he lying? Yes. It, not that I'm saying he's thinking about other women or anything like that, but it's like, but where does his brain go? Like, what is it that he's consumed with? Because it can't be a bit. It can't be shows because that's, I mean, it's animalistic. Yeah. When you're having sex, that you're not usually thinking about work. Yeah. Unless there's a deeper seated problem that he just can't in his stage of his career and what he wants that if he want like his number one goal is to be rich and famous it's hard to let anyone else in in the, the long term that is a solitary road because it has to be mm -hmm. and if if you want to be number one it, you know it is the same with scrooge it's like he would not have become what he was if he had had a family and had the one play because he had to think about only him and that was it and that's not fair in a relationship mm -mm. and it's like you understand you don't want to change the person you don't want them to be like you have to think about me 
Because in saying that, it's not going to make him Mm-mm. change his head. And it's like if it's something that he if he's so fixated on it, which unfortunately kind of have to be, then maybe he's just not the guy for you. And it's like, and that sucks. Like, I'm not saying give it up. No. Give up. No. But it's like, but you've been working on it for a long time, and it seems that, like, you're communicating. But when you're bickering at him about small things, is it because you're upset about everything else? And it's so much easier to be like, yeah, but you didn't do this, as opposed to, like, why don't you have want to have sex with me? Yeah. And getting to, like, the deeper problem. Because when you're bickering all the time, it's usually other things. And of course, it seems like you know. Always other things. Always other things. Always always, yeah. If you're whether it's about them or whether it's about your job or something that's going on in your life, you know, it's it's something else. Mm -hmm. I just think that you know, if if you are working on a new business and you've got a set, it's like you have to trust in yourself that maybe not that you made a wrong decision, but that that you just that it's just not going to work out. Yeah, but on the other hand, you might just be having a bad year. Yes. In in long-term relationships, uh, that's one of the things that people need to accept is that sometimes you're not just going to have a bad... If you're spending your life with someone, like your entire entire life, you're going to have a bad year. He's going to have a bad year. You might have a bad year together. Uh, and it's something that you have, like, cause I know my parents have bad years. Of course. You know, every, every person, every, you know, they've been together for, um, near on 40 years. And actually I think a little over 40. Um, and they've had bad years. You know, I remember bad years when I was a kid, you know, that, that, that just happens if you're in a long-term relationship. Uh, but you have to ask yourself, like, is this a bad year? Can we get through this? Or, is this something is it that two is two brick walls? Is it two brick walls? Yeah. Or am I never going to get through this? Are we never going to get through this? Uh, that's that's going to have to be a decision that you make on your own. I just seem like, and I don't. I'm sorry to be like the. I'm not usually the negative one in this. I just feel like it's like it. It, it seems like you have been compromising, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem that he is compromising on the other end as much as you are. Yeah. And it is, it's got to be 50-50. And there are definitely things that you can't work through, but they shouldn't be staples of the relationship that you can't work through. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain things that like, you know, the way you act when you get home, like for, for me, when I get home from work, Doug does not talk to me for 30 minutes. That's always how I'm going to be. I need that time to unwind. I need that time to shut down. And that's not something I'm going to budge on. Mm-hmm. But that's very small. Right. And extremely reasonable. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it, it's not, it, it hasn't, it's not like, you know, he won't budge and that he, you know, talks bad about me. And it's like, th- those are like bigger things, you know, or yeah. things like, or what you want out of life or like things when it comes down to like whether you want kids or not. And, you know, th- those are a lot of, those are bigger things. And like in long term relationships, you get into those things. Yeah. And, you know, and you definitely like being open with us about it, which I think is awesome. And as long as you continue to be open with him and try to compromise, or if you want to try and go with him on his gigs or move somewhere else, if that's something you want to do, then try it out yeah. and see how it goes because you can always choose again. You can always go back. But is that what you want? Yeah. It's okay to think about you when you're in a relationship. And I think it's also really easy to forget that. Because you think about the two, that you are one. It's like, you're not one. You're two separate people. 
And no matter what paper, no matter what legality, no matter what it is, you're living together, all that shit. That's all shit in the long run. Mm-hmm. You are your own person, and you just got to think about you right now. Yeah, absolutely. This is the time to think about you. You've been thinking about him. From your last email from this one, Like you think about him a lot, and you put him first a lot. Uh, and if you want that life, you can have it. You know, not that it, that's a bad thing. Not like that's if, that's, a, if you're that's down not, with that, that yeah. is not a bad thing at all. There, there are plenty of people who live lives in support roles, whether it be you know a male, a man, or a woman. You because know, people need to be support because you need to have that for yeah. stability. Yeah, exactly. Like it, there's there's nothing wrong with living your life, you know, supporting somebody else. You know, if you truly believe in what they're doing, and, and if you're truly happy with that, uh, is there are plenty of you know men who do that. There are plenty of women who do that. Like that is something that you can choose to do if you want to do that. But you got to ask yourself, do you want to do that? Are you going to be happy doing that? Is that the type of person that you are? Or more importantly, is that the type of person you want to be? And I think it's okay. It's okay to trust yourself and it's okay to be selfish every once in a while. You have to be. And I think that's it's an easy thing that we all forget. We were talking about that a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and it's just like you have to be selfish sometimes yeah. or else you're never going to be happy. And it's it's a hard thing, especially when you're a supporter, when you are someone that is, you know, very giving in a relationship. But you have to be or else you're going to wake up one day down the road and be like, what did what happened? Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to get swept up in it. Very much so. But the fact that you're thinking about it and you're and you're dealing with it and you're dealing with you is awesome. And I think that like it's only going to help you move forward. But I really hope that you let us know how it goes and what happens um, because it's just a hard fucking road. Yeah. Working, you know, it's like being with, or if you're two entertainers or any kind of thing, it's like being with someone that in your career you have to be number one, that your career is always number one. Sometimes it's just not, there's not enough headspace for somebody else. Yeah. Not all the time, but sometimes. Or that person just has to be with someone who's okay with that. Right. Yeah, that that's a, that is a big thing too with people who are single minded and people who want have gigantic goals. Sometimes they just have to be with people that are okay with them doing that, right? Or have exactly having someone else is just as career minded or like on a set path yeah. as they are. Yeah, because then it's okay because then you're both number two in each other's lives, which is <laughs> yeah. which okay is for totally, a good amount of people. Yeah, a, that's totally fine for a shit ton of people, especially here in New York. Yes. All it's, I mean, you yeah. see it, uh, like, and he, I look at those relationships and sometimes I'm jealous Yeah. because I wish, uh, unfortunately, it's like, I'm not wired that way. I mean, my family, family will always be number one. And, you know, I feel like I'd probably get further if career was number one. I, you know, might be further by now, but that's also, you know, all my own fucking demons. But I like that I choose family number one. And I get scoffed at by other people, but that's okay. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, because it's my choice. It's your choice and it's your life. Well, good luck on this uh, and let us know how it works out. Yeah, please do. I really, I I would like to know. If any of you out there have any questions for us, just send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com and we'll get to it as soon as we possibly can. Uh, And... 
We'll see you guys next week. God, see you next week. <laughs> oh, I held that one in for the whole show. Ugh. Uh, uh, man, if I can let it out in the last 15 seconds. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye.